And so um, uh, this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to us about a year of eternal impact. I put the snowflakes on there. I hope that's not prophetic. I hope there's no more snow the rest of the winter. Amen? I mean, I talked to a friend of mine yesterday in Florida. It was 80 degrees in Florida. That's what I want. That's what I'm praying for, right? And it's supposed to be warmer this week. Hallelujah. But uh, um, a successful prescription for uh, a new year. Um, what I want to... What I want to do is, remember a couple weeks ago, I talked to you about, as we kick off this new year, I talked to you about uh, um, when Joshua took the children of Israel into the promised land. The way that Joshua knew what to do was because Moses had handed it off to him. He had poured into him. He had invested his life into him. Last week, I was at my, my last church I pastored. And uh, that church, when it, um, within about a two and a half year period, we, we saw it just explode in growth and this kind of stuff. And and the church, sadly, today is really, really struggling. And they lost their way because they lost the perspective of what it meant to continue to invest in other people. Understand this. I'm 55. I'll be 56 next Saturday, actually. And, and uh, some of you are older than me. Many of you are younger than me. Here's the deal, though. The deal is what's most important, particularly as I see my life now, and as I think, if we really think about it, what's most important is not... Not just what we do now, it's what we invest in for later. It's those kids over there. It's the young people in the nursery and in the, in the youth group and all this kind of stuff. It's taking time to invest in those people's lives. I went into the senior adult uh, ladies' class today, and, and we were talking about that. And I told them, I said, I was reminding our church last Sunday of Vera. Vera was a lady in my church who had a stroke, and she was probably almost 80 at that time. And what she would do is she would invite the, younger, the, the teenagers over to her house and she would cook for them. Now, what teenager wouldn't go over to the house to, you know, when grandma's cooking? You know what I mean? And so she would cook for them and do things. She didn't get around real well. And they would do yard work and all kinds of stuff for her. And she would sit and talk to them and pour herself into them. Who are you pouring into? As we look at this new year, who are you investing in? Guys, here's what, let me give you the prescription real quickly of how to kill a church. When everybody thinks about what they want, and that's all they do, and they never think about what God wants, and moving forward, investing in others. Jesus said when a man gives up his life, he will gain it. He tells us that when we learn to die to our desires and our, our, our ideals, and we surrender completely to him, that's when life begins. That's how Paul could say to live as Christ, to die is what? What's it, what is it? Tell your neighbor. What is that? To live as Christ, to die is what? Gain. So we have nothing to lose, right? We have nothing to lose. So what I want to do is challenge us. In fact, I'm going to buy some more of those little cards that we have right before Christmas and bring those next week and, and, and to continue to give those out to you, to continue to go out in the community. If you know people that aren't here or people that you know that need to be baptized, that, that, that there are people that are hurting and you want us to help them. I'm so thankful for, our, uh, for Fred and all, all that they do. I'm thankful for Mary and all that she does on a weekly basis for our church. I'm thankful for our deacons and how they've risen up and, and, and reached out and helped. And the, the text, I wish I could show you all the text of the visits and stuff. That were made. I'm thankful for all of you that during those weeks that helped us visit and go out and touch people. And everybody asks the question, well, how is it that our church can, you know, will grow? It grows because the body multiplies. As we go into a new year, Let's not lose that. It is not about us. It's not about our opinions or ourselves. It's about him. My prayer is that God will give you that new pastor. I know the pulpit committee is working hard on that. 
you know, but he's going to, here's what I want. I want that pastor. The first day he shows up, he has to sprint. He has to go get on a motorcycle and 100 miles an hour just to catch up with the church because they're running so fast. Because we're so engaged and understand the mind of Christ and what it means to give it away. So that's, that's why I, I put this on there. 2017, the year of impact, eternal impact. The only eternal impact you will ever make is when you pour into people's lives. Who are you pouring into? Who are you investing into? Who is God laying on your heart? You remember a couple weeks ago I asked you to write down five to ten names of people you would pour into this year. If you didn't do it then, do it today. Invest in their lives. What does that look like? So today what we're going to do is we're going to go back to a passage I preached before Christmas. And I'm going to give it a little bit of a different spin because we're going to go a little bit further with the passage. John chapter 21, if you remember, beginning in verse 15, this is when Jesus greeted the disciples that morning and at the beach, and they had breakfast together. And this is when he reaffirms Peter. Now, we talked about that right before Christmas, those key words that Peter said when he said, Lord, you know everything. And then immediately Jesus began to tell Peter, your life is going to be gone. This is it. You're, one day you're going to die. You're going to lay yourself out there and you're going to die. You know, for me, that's what's going to happen. In verse 15, when Jesus greets Peter, he says, When they had eaten the breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, he told him. The second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. Yes, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter then was grieved and that, that he asked him a third time, do you love me? And this is when he said, you, Lord, you know everything. We talked about that before Christmas. Those, those, those key three words to say, not, God, it's not me that I know everything. It's not who I am. It's who you are. Lord, you know everything. I'm surrendering to your wisdom and your will. For the fear of God is the beginning of all understanding. You know that I love you. So here's what I want to get this. He says, then feed my sheep. I assure you that when you were young, that you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie, tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify what kind of death he would glorify God because we know that Peter, according to history, he died through crucifixion just like Jesus did. That's why he says he spread out his arms. But then after saying these things, he told them this. He said simply this, follow me, follow me. So what will success require? It all hinges on what it means when Jesus says to Peter in John 21, 22, as for you, follow me. What does it mean for you to follow Christ in this new year? What does it mean for us to surrender our lives and completely lay ourselves out on the line to follow him? Did you, know, did you know that Jesus talks about people following him 23 times in the New Testament? It's an important thing. Come on, I've got children. If I want them to do something, you don't tell them once. If you, I mean, you don't. I mean, we always say, well, I told them one time and they did it. Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, but you know what I mean. You got you to tell them what you're going to tell them. You got to tell them. You got to tell them what you told them. Then you got to tell them again, right? That's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, if you want to know the key, for instance, you know, when it talks about, you, no one can pluck you from his hand. Right after that, it says, if you follow me. He uses that phrase over and over and over again in Scripture. Follow me. 
In other words, walk in my steps. Do what I would do. Think as I would think. Act as I would act. What does success look like for us in this new year? It begins when we learn to follow him. Peter was just transformed. Peter just realized it was not about Peter. And then Peter, all of a sudden, Jesus says, Okay, Peter, you're going to die. This is what's going to happen. And I'm telling you right now, Peter, you better learn to do this. Follow me. Guys, the success for our church in the future is how much we follow him. We do not, God does not owe us his Holy Spirit. He does not owe us his blessing. But he will gladly give his blessing if we will follow him. You want to know in this new year how you can change your home? Follow him. You want to know how you can change your marriage? Follow him. You know how you can change your life? Follow him. How do we change our community? We raise up a group of people here who are following him and inviting others to join us on mission. We follow him. Peter, it's exactly what Peter did. Come on, I I want us to look at this. Just give you several things to remember here. First of all, what must we do to follow him? First, we must embrace the promise of God. We must embrace the promise of God. Look look at Acts 1.8. And I'm going to come back here in a few weeks and preach through that. Next week I'm going to look at Daniel and some leadership principles out of that. But what does Acts 1.8 simply say? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Look what it says. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. We must embrace the promise of God that God will give us his power. How many times in scripture, I've been reading through the, through the break, going through Proverbs and going through different books of the Bible. Do you know, just look sometimes how many times God gives absolute uh, uh, just, you know, statements. Like for instance, in, in Joshua chapter 1, when he says, Joshua, I am giving you Jericho. He doesn't say, if you think about it, but it's possible, I'm giving Jericho into your, your hands. In other words, he is saying to us, if we embrace this, I am giving you my Holy Spirit. I'm giving you my presence. I'm giving you my power. And the word there literally means dynamic, explosive. It's where we get the word miraculous from. I'm giving you miraculous power. In other words, I'm not asking you to go on mission by yourself. I'm telling you, I'm giving you the power you can do it by, through me if you're willing to do what? Say the words with me. Follow me. Say it again. Follow me. T- tell your neighbor. Follow Christ. Tell him. Follow Christ. Follow Christ. He will give us that power if we do what? Follow him. Follow him. That's what he's saying to us. First, we must embrace the promise of God. Number two, we must quickly and genuinely learn what it means to pray. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Look what it says. It simply tells us here, he says, All these were continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. What's the first thing they did when Jesus ascended into heaven? They went to the prayer room. And as we go into a new year, we must learn to pray. We must learn to lay ourselves down before God and trust him. If we're going to follow him, he prayed, did he not? He prayed. He said, God, your will be done, not my will be done. Your food, not my food. Not the food of the body, but the food of the Spirit of God. Follow him and pray. I'm not talking about prayer that's just this selfish and simply seeking what we want. God is not Santa Claus. I'm talking about prayer that says, God, I want your will to be lived in me so much. I'm willing to follow you. And the only way I can do it is to be connected through you. You create a conduit through me, God. You hook me up to this power source of your Holy Spirit and you live through me. 
We do that through prayer. We do that through repentance. We do that by laying ourselves down. Guys, when's the last time? Can you remember the last time you laid yourself down before God and spent some time in prayer? I'm not talking about now lay me down to sleep. I'm not not talking about, Lord, God bless the gift and the giver. I'm not talking about, Lord, bless all that's within me and all these kind of things. I'm not talking about those kinds or the hands that prepared. There's nothing wrong with any of those. I'm talking about you've laid down before God and you simply said, God, I can't do this, but you can. Jesus had just called them to go into the city to follow him. to take, And then just, he had just ascended into heaven. Don't you think they were scared to death? They'd just seen a miraculous thing happen, and now he's saying, you're the ones that are left to do it. But we can't, Lord. Yes, you can, because I didn't leave you alone. I left you the power of the Holy Spirit. Follow me. Pray. Pray. Let me tell you the greatest gift you parents and grandparents can give to your children and grandchildren. Teach them to pray. Teach them how to pray. You know the greatest thing you can give to your spouse? Pray together. Pray. Get on your faces several times a week and just pray together. I'm going to tell you what I found. I found it's awfully hard, awfully hard for Satan to have his way in our lives when we're on our face praying before God broken. Pray. Pray. The first thing they did was they prayed. So they embraced the promise of God. We need to learn to pray. Number three, we must finally engage our purpose. Make no mistake, our purpose is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to glorify Christ by making his name known to all people. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 2. Again, all of this kind of goes in succession here. 1 and 2 says, And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. Make no mistake, our purpose is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, our purpose is not just to come to a building. Our purpose is not just to sing a few songs and to follow a few rules. Our purpose is to, be, is to let the Holy Spirit fill us up with his Holy Spirit and his power. Like a mighty rushing wind. God can take the smallest and make it the greatest when they speak in a way that, that the Holy Spirit is glorified and has power through us. Number four, we must value persistence. Acts chapter 2, verses four, uh, in verse 42. I love those passages right there. He says, and they devoted themselves, in verse 46. Every day they devoted themselves. And godly fear is the key, if you look at it. Godly fear is the key. They devoted themselves completely. They were, they were persistent to what it is that God wanted them to be. Verse, verse 43 says, Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. They devoted themselves in verse 42. And the teachings and the fellowship and breaking bread and, and prayers and with one another, and the fear of God came over them. They, were, they value persistence. Do not give up. Come on, how many of you guys, how many of you guys had a hard week? Come on, you had a hard week. How many of y'all have had some times this week you like to want to throw your hands up and say, I'm done? You know what I'm talking about? You ever want to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? This is the time of year, guys, when, when everybody's credit card starts coming back, that dog you got for Christmas just won't get house trained, you know what I mean? You're cleaning your carpet all the time and your floor and everything else. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It gets frustrating. All your kids all go back to school, and now they got all these other things, and, and you know, and, and then you do like me, and you get on the, on the scales, and you realize, 
I got to go on a diet. <laughs> you know, I mean, all these things. It was great. I loved it. All the ribs and all the cake and all the stuff over Christmas. But, Lord, I need us. I can't wear my clothes. You know, guys, no. We must value persistence. We cannot allow anything to pull us away, our attention away from following him. They prayed. What did the early disciples do after an Acts, an Acts 2? Once they received the Holy Spirit, they came together and they prayed and they were persistent. They continued to share the word of God out to all of those around them. Number five, God's people will praise his name. They will praise his name and do what it takes to live in unity. Verse 42, chapter 2, verse 47 simply says, praising God in Acts. Chapter 2, verse 47 says, praising God and having favor with all people. No, we must seek unity. Look what it says in verse 46. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex, broke bread from house to house. They ate food with a joyful and humble attitude. They were together in unity. Look at me. If we're going to go anywhere this year as a church, we've got to go together, right? Right? Yes or no? Let me ask you something. How many of you here totally agree with everything your wife or husband says? You're not married. That's why you can say that. Trust me. How many of you, have, you, have you, you know someone in this world where you agree with them on everything? Not very many, right? So let me ask you something. If, are you unified, though, in your home? Can you disagree in your home and still go forward? How many of y'all been married over 50 years? Okay. Have y'all agreed on everything? No, no, no. So, all right. But, 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 but yet, because there's still been unity among all that, right? Because you become one in Christ. Is that correct? Who else? Who else has been married more than 50 years? Who else? Come on. Anybody else? Jack, you guys, are, uh, y'all, y'all have agreed on every single thing, right? No, <laughs> you haven't. No, but, but you're still together, right? Like, how many years y'all been married? How many years you've been married? Yes, 53. Wow, isn't that cool? Let me ask you something. I mean, just, just think about this. Do you, how can you disagree but still have unity? Because, in, and think about this, the analogy the scripture uses for us as the body is the marriage. Because what do I do? When I counsel people and they're getting married, I tell them that it's impossible to take one plus one and make one. It's mathematically impossible. You can't do that. You just can't do it. But you can take one plus one and make it one in Christ, right? Yes or no? That's the same thing with us as a body. We never lose our purpose of what we are. Debbie and I have disagreed many, 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 many times. But you know what? I love her more than anything in this world. Why? Because we got to keep the focus upon what our real purpose is, which is to glorify God and to follow him through our marriage. The same thing is true with us as a body. Guys, we've allowed, churches allow too often the, the, you know, the business nature of what takes place and the way things are done to override the fellowship that is so important. People never get upset. I mean, come on, guys, I've been in ministry 35 years. No one has ever walked in my office and said, I'm leaving church. Y'all just baptizing too many people. It's never happened. It's always something silly, isn't it? Pastor, you know, we were, the other night in a business meeting, we still had something on the table, and you voted for something else, and you didn't do it. You don't know Robert's rules of order. We need to get rid of you. Who was Robert anyway, guys? 
Anybody know who he was? You know what I'm talking about, guys? We, we, just, yeah, we always, look at me. That doesn't mean we don't th- do things in decency and order. But what it means is this. Look at me and listen to me carefully. That means people, real people, matter more than any kind of process we can ever do. People's needs override any process. And when the process is in question, guess what we do? We go back to people. Because that's our purpose, to glorify God and reach people and help them become multipliers of the same God we worship. Amen? That's what it is. So look across the aisle for a moment. Smile at those folks. These people are going to be in heaven with you. Do you know that? Tell your neighbors. Look at your neighbor and smile at them and say, you know what? You're just, I, I love you. I, I mean, I might as well tell you now because I'm going to be with you in heaven. Come on. Just tell them. That's what it is. As we go into a new year, we go into a new year. As we go into a new year, this is what we did. It says that they did everything together. They prayed together. They served together. They loved together. They ate together. They cared together. They did all those things together because we were never meant to survive individually. We have an individual faith that is always lived out in community with other people. And guess what? We love each other. Because it's not about opinions, it's about the purpose to glorify God and reach people and help to build his kingdom. Guys, you know what? It's it's amazing to me how people get so excited when they start reaching out and touching people. Students in my classes for the first time share their faith. Zach can tell you because he grades those students how many of their lives are changed because they finally get outside of themselves. It's like they've been, the chains have been taken off and they're freed up. Let's focus on that. I remember vacation Bible school this year when they slimed us and all that. Wasn't that fun? That was a blast. We, in fact, we enjoyed it so much, we invited everybody else to get slimed too. Because we want to do it as a body, unified, right? Why? Because those kids that week have been told about Jesus and love God, and we wanted them to see we can have fun together. The fun is not the focus. The fun is Jesus But man, I'm going to tell you something. If you know Jesus, he's fun. I mean, there's joy that comes with that. Amen? And so we're unified. Bring up the next one. Number six. God's people will proclaim his name. Bring up the rest of you. Go ahead. God's people will proclaim his name. In verse verse 47, he says, And every day the Lord, to them that they were being saved, they, they went and told them, they went house to house to house to house, is what the scripture literally says. That's what the early church did. They went house to house to house. And every day he was adding to them who were being saved. Every single day. Praising God and having favor with all people in verse 47. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Come on. Wouldn't we love it if this year God is adding people in this community to his kingdom every single day as we go forth and tell them? Wouldn't that be great? Amen? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That's what we're called to do. That was the whole point of them coming together. That was their focus, that we do all of this. We put ourselves aside. We follow Christ. We die to our, our opinions and ourselves so that what? So that we can come together for one singular purpose, that we, as we go house to house to house to house to house to house to house, as we go in the community, God can add people to his kingdom every single day. That's what this is about. Number seven, 
God's people will be persecuted. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, verse 3. I just wanted to add this to you and remind you because I just think this is coming more and more and more. Acts chapter 4, verse 3, it says, So they seized them. He's talking about Peter and John. They had just preached in chapter 3 of Acts. They had just preached and 3,000 uh, 3, people had come to Christ. They preached the resurrection. You know, all these people that come to Christ. And what happened was the religious rulers got upset because the movement of God was so powerful. And so they, they did what they, they would always do. They tried to intimidate them. And here's what they did. It says in verse 3, it says, So they seized Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day they put them in jail. Guys, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to get persecuted. If we do the things of God, you're going to get persecuted. Satan is not going to allow it to happen without fighting. He's going to put speed bumps in the road everywhere we go. But let me say this to you. Remember this. The only, the only speed bump that should be between people that don't know Christ and them coming to Christ is the cross of Jesus Christ, not us. We need to take our lives and glorify God and grab hold of him with everything we've got. In other words, it's all about him. We're going to get persecuted. People are going to disagree, right? People are going to say things. People do that, right? It happens. Don't focus upon the negative. Focus upon Jesus. Focus upon what he is doing through in and through us. Persecution is going to come, I promise you. If you're doing something for God, persecution is always going to come. Conversely, if you're not being persecuted, chances are you may not be doing much for God. Persecution is going to happen, guys. Persecution is going to happen. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 12. He says, but everything that was gained to me, I've considered to be lost because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth. Literally, the word there, as it's used in James and in there, it means earwax. It means just something of just this refuse. It means the scum of the, or, or to wipe the, the film away from the, on the bathtub as you get out. That's what it literally means. He says, I consider everything this world can offer as filth so that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own from the law or from the world, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal, listen to this, is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed, literally molded to, to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal, or I am already fully mature. But I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Come on, isn't that powerful? He's saying, this is what this is all about. Paul, Paul is saying, I, just, I gave it all up, trusting God fully, and I don't, I don't regret a moment of it. 
If we want God to use us in 2017 to impact people, it comes by us saying, God, I'm done. I'm not going to be tickled by this world anymore. I am yours totally, completely. Take me, Lord. I've not arrived there yet, but I'm on my way. I can only get there with you, God. And I trust you in the power of your resurrection. That one day I can be resurrected to your presence when I die. That, Lord, that I can take others with me. And that that would be the purpose of what we do and why we do it. If you do what? If you do what? Follow him. Let that be our prayer for New Year. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask Daniel if he come on up and get ready. This morning, maybe you've never received Christ as your personal Savior. And this morning, I want to call you out right where you are. I'd be willing to talk to you after church, whatever you want to do. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you've received Christ. Maybe you've seen Junior get baptized today. You want to come forward and say, you know what, it's time that I take that step too. Or maybe you've been attending church for a long time and it's just time to say, I want to be a part of what this fellowship is doing. They're moving in a single direction and I want to move with them. As we go into a new year, the prescription of success is Christ. Two words, follow me, follow him. That's what it's about. What does it take in your life for you to be a a part of the whole to follow him? What does it take? What does it take in your school to do that? What does it take in your workplace to do that? What does it take in your home to do that? This morning, if you've never received Christ, I would invite you to come. For the rest of us, maybe we want to begin this new year by simply saying, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing in my life and in this community. I want to follow you. Don't be like Peter. Don't continue to wrestle back and forth and all these kind of things and be frustrated like Peter was over and over again. He ended up in a mess. But when he finally surrendered fully to Christ, Jesus said, that's it. You're done. You're mine. Follow me. All Peter had to say was three words. Lord, you know everything. It's not about me, God. It's about you. So I want to invite you to come this morning. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And the altar's open. If you'd like to come this morning and kneel and pray, you can come. If you want to join the church, you want to come to Christ, whatever it may be. It's time you start off this year in a new direction. In God's direction to follow him. Father, in Jesus' name. We want to follow you. We know, Lord, that there's going to be persecution. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be pain. There's going to be hurt. But we can do it with the body that's around us, this family that you've given us, that we hold each other's arms up. Lord, help us to realize that we are not alone. Satan always works in isolation. God, you always work in community. You pull us together. Help us to look across these aisles and realize that we're part of a greater family, a greater purpose and a greater call. That we are married as a family together through you. Not so we can impose our will or our desires, but so that we can surrender to your will and your desires. Oh God, use us for your glory. Help us to learn what it means to follow you. Or if there's anyone here this morning who don't know you, I pray they will come. For someone here this morning, Father, that needs to follow through in baptism, whatever it may be, or join the church, 
whatever it might be. Or Lord, maybe you're just dealing with us because you're saying to us, it's time we fully surrender and lay on our face and learn what it means to pray and to lay our hands up in the air and just say, God, I'm done, I surrender. And we follow you. Lord, help us to stop fighting against that, but to surrender to you in Jesus' name. That we might impact people's lives in this new year. Use us, God, and use us up for your glory. Let's stand up right now.